Hi there. This is Sam Musgrave, pastor over college and young adult ministry at Trinity Community Church. This podcast is a collection of the sermons from our gatherings. My prayer is that you will grow in knowledge and love for King Jesus, or maybe come to faith in him for the very first time. Join me now for this sermon. Remind us, Lord, of your love. Remind us of who 
who you are, gracious, merciful, abounding in loving kindness. In your name we pray. Amen. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, because God loved the world. That is the central message of this verse. God sent his son because God loved the world. This verse is preceded by 15 verses of dialogue between Jesus Christ and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very righteous man in his own eyes. He was a ruler of the Jews. He carried both spiritual and legal authority. And he heard of the signs and the wonders that Jesus was performing. And he determined that because he would, Jesus was performing these signs and wonders, then Jesus must be sent from God. So he comes to Jesus at night and he asks, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God because only someone who's sent from God can do this thing. He tries to determine what it is about Jesus that is different and Jesus' response cuts through all of that. You must be born Again, he repeats himself again. You must be born again. I say to you, truly, truly, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So why the verse, why the word for God so loved the world? Why the word for? The word for is because how is one born again? Because... God loved the world. He sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So in our brief time, let's just consider the love of God. It's not uh, some emotional, emotionally driven, I should say. Uh, if, if Scott Parrish were here, I would say warm and fuzzy because that's a term he likes. Warm and fuzzy feeling there's no nothing in scripture that would suggest that that is how God loves the world it's also important to to see that the world that God's love for the world does not mean that there's something in humanity that attracts God's love you and I are not lovable people to God in the sense that we are not Righteous, holy, or attractive to God in that way. I think a lot of you guys are very lovable, but that is not the kind of love that we're talking about here. Romans 3.23, you guys know the verse, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Psalm 5 says, you, God, are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil can dwell with you. No boastful will stand before your eyes. You hate all who do injustice. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord loathes the person of bloodshed and deceit. So God's love for the world cannot be the kind of love that leaves the world as it is. 
It would be contrary to his nature. God's love for us is of his sovereign ordination. It's, it's a love that would see us saved from our sin, from our rebellion. Think about when Moses received the Ten Commandments, not the first time, but the second time. He, he sees the, the tail end of God's glory. And what, what does God say? He says, Yahweh, Yahweh God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet by no means leave, will leave the guilty unpunished. So two things about God are true. Yes, God is gracious, merciful, abounding in loving kindness, but it is no less his nature to punish the evildoer. So how does God love us? How does God love sinners? A righteous and holy God loving an unrighteous and an unholy people? Let's behold God's love in sending his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What does that word so loved mean? It, it, it means either or two things. One, God loved the world so much, or it can also mean, and does mean, I believe, God loved the world in this way. God loved the world in this way that he gave his only begotten son. His only begotten son means his, his one-of-a-kind son. What, what father, what loving father here would give up their firstborn one-of-a-kind son because... They loved unrighteous scallywags and heathens. And yet that is what we see. God has a relationship with his son. His son is the one who was declared to be his beloved son in whom God is well pleased. This only begotten, this one of a kind son, if we understand who he is, you and I are, are liable to be undone at the thought of God's love. In verse 14 of, of this chapter, Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He uses a specific term, a unique term, the Son of Man. He's referring to an Old Testament name, an Old Testament title. In, in Psalm 2, we read, Why do the nations rage and the peoples meditate on a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against His anointed, 
saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord mocks them. And he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his fury, saying, but as for me, I have installed my king in Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of Yahweh. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. The ends of your, the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and you shall shatter them like a potter's vessel. So now, O kings, be wise. Show insight. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are those who take refuge in him. We're, we're bearing witness here to a, a, a conversation, a dialogue between Yahweh, God, the Father, and his Son. And how is he describing his son? He's describing his son as an exalted king, as, as someone who has the, the nations as his inheritance, who will rule and, and break the, the, the rebellious nations with a rod of iron, shattering them like a clay pot. He's someone to whom each of us owe homage. Kiss the son lest he become angry. And yet, what's the last phrase of this psalm? How blessed are all who take refuge in him. In who? In this son. So, not to mention so many other Old Testament passages, just from this psalm alone, we get a glimpse at who Jesus Christ is talking about when he says the Son of Man. But it becomes even clearer in Daniel 7 when, when Daniel has a vision of this Son of Man. He says, I kept looking in night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven one like a Son of Man. That's where the term comes from. One like the Son of Man was coming and he came up to the Ancient of Days and came near before him, and to, give, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, the nations as his inheritance, that all peoples, nations, and men of every tongue might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not be taken away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. God's only begotten Son, this one-of-a-kind Son, is no one less than the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the nations that rage against Him and the people that plot a vain thing against Yahweh are under His dominion. Jesus Christ has an everlasting dominion. He rules. He will rule with a rod of iron. 
enjoys perfect fellowship with God the Father. So how does God love us? In what way does God love the nations that rage and the people that plot a vain thing? Unworthy of any love, unworthy of anything but, but the justice that would destroy us. How does God love us? He loves us by giving us his son. My dad sent me something he used to read on a regular basis from the Puritan John Flavel. 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 Does yeah. not matter. Flavel. <coughs> but in this short paragraph, John Flavel is, is, is setting the scene of our Lord before he sends Jesus Christ, his son, into the world. The father says, my son, here is a company of poor, miserable souls that have utterly undone themselves and now lie open to my justice. Justice demands satisfaction for them or will satisfy itself in the eternal ruin of them. What shall be done for these souls? The son says, oh, my father, such is my love to and pity for them that rather than they shall perish eternally, I will be responsible for them as their guarantee. Bring all your bills that I may see what they owe you, Lord. Bring them all in, that there may be no after reckonings with them at my hand. My hand, you will require it. I would rather choose to suffer your wrath than they suffer it. Upon me, my father, upon me, be all their debt. The father says, but my son, if you undertake for them, you must pay the last penny. Expect no discounts. If I spare them, I will not spare you. How does the son reply? He says, I am willing, Father. Let it be so. Charge it all to me. I am able to pay their debt, and though it will prove to be a type of undoing to me, although it will impoverish all my riches and empty all my accounts, yet I am content to undertake it. That's God's love displayed that he would send his son to be bereft of all the glory that he enjoyed in perfect communion with his father to take on humility and lowliness although existing in the form of God Jesus Christ did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, by being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
From the moment that Jesus took on flesh, he was robed in humility. From the moment that he entered Mary's womb and was knit together, born, he was the very picture of lowliness. None of us here were born in a barn. None of us here spent our first hours wrapped in rags in the feeding trough of cattle and sheep. And yet our Lord was. He spent his infant years a refugee in a foreign land. He grew up the son of a humble tradesman. And he wandered about the land, a homeless man. But more importantly, this mighty king of kings walked obediently before his father. And that's important because you and I cannot be obedient. Our free will would only lead us to disobedience and disobedience and disobedience. And yet here Christ is fully man in flesh and he's obedient to God. And ultimately this obedience would take him to the cross. It was foretold that this would happen. Christ knew the, the task that lay before him, and he bore it like a man. He did not flinch, but willingly faced this punishment, a punishment that you and I know would be justly ours. So, what is the love of God? Consider the love of God at the cross. Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, pierced, bruised, crushed. And God caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. The nations that rage, the people that plot a vain thing, you and me, God crushed Jesus Christ for them, for us. Think about the sin in your life. Sin that maybe no one else knows about because you're, it's so shameful, so scandalous. Jesus Christ was crushed for that sin. So what do you need to be reminded of when you sin? You need to be reminded of God's love. What do we need when we see our sin and we groan and we, we repent? What brings us to repentance? It's 
It's contemplating the fact that this perfect man, this king of kings and lord of lords, voluntarily chose to be crushed on our behalf. But God sent his son because he loved us. Christ died for us and satisfied the debt that you and I could not pay because of his love for us. It's, it's mystery indescribable. And even now I'm failing to adequately communicate these profound truths. God punished for our iniquities. So that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you ever thought about how gracious and merciful it is that, that God would have been to bring us from a point of rebellion against him to a state of neutrality? No longer at war with God. No longer raging and plotting a vain thing. But we're like Switzerland. No enemies and no friends. <laughs> and how much more loving and merciful that God would restore to us How much more loving it is that God declares us just, justified by believing in Jesus Christ. But loved ones, I don't know how, there are no words that God has made you and me ambassadors for his kingdom and he has given us eternal life. Whoever believes in him. That's present tense. Are you believing in Jesus Christ right now? At this moment? Because if you do, if you are believing in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. Jesus Christ said he came that, that we might have life and have it abundantly. What do we need to remember when we are despairing over our sin that we keep going back to? And it angers us and it frustrates us and it confuses us because we don't want to sin and yet our flesh keeps going back there. What do we need to remember? We need to remember that God loved us in this way, that he gave us his son so that we would have eternal life. And if you are not believing in Jesus Christ right now, this invitation is for you to now do so. Whole religions are, are, are built up on the foundation of somehow achieving a state of 
uh, ability to potentially attain eternal life. And yet Jesus Christ says, those who believe in me, that's all, will not perish but have eternal life. So we can't save ourselves, but we don't have to. Because Jesus Christ saved us. Why is God's love so majestic? It's because our love is so pathetic and it's fickle and it's emotionally driven. And yet all you and I have to do is just think for a few minutes that Jesus Christ left glory to give us eternal life. If we spend Christmas without thinking about that for just a few minutes, we miss out on a lot. Because God's love for us is all we need. It's like the, the Beatles song. Love is all you need. If you have God's love, you don't need the love of the world. You don't need the love of your friends, and you don't need the love of your family. Nothing else matters. I pray that each of you would be refreshed by that love. Let's pray. Father God, your love is marvelous. It's wonderful. Thank you for joining me for this sermon from the Trinity College and Young Adult Ministry. We would love for you to join us in person soon. For up-to-date information, follow our Instagram at trinityc.ya. For information regarding Trinity Community Church, visit trinitycc.com. Until he returns, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you.